As we head into God's Word, uh, let us take a moment to join in prayer. Father, we thank you that through, throughout all the years since um, Scripture has been put in the form as we know it today, that you continue to speak to us by way of your Spirit through every millennia, every century, decade, and every year. And we praise you that this year will be no different, that you will continue to speak to us by way of your Spirit and the words of Scripture. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. We're going to continue the series that we've been working through throughout Advent, which has been focusing on the heart of Mary, as well as focusing on our heart. And when I think about this holiday season that you could say that we've been in, Christmas into New Year's, we can think about how it brings about a lot of traditions, traditions in families, and so on. Emily and I were reflecting the other day, and we were wondering what traditions will our kids actually remember that we do? Because we don't do the same thing any year. Uh, we always are doing something different. But for many people, they have traditions, and we could say we do have tradition. We have tradition of gathering with friends and family every year. Maybe you guys do as well. You, you gather with friends and family near or on those special days. For Emily's family, it always happens to be uh, not Christmas, but it ends up being around New Year's that they come or we go to them. Sometimes there's traditions, other traditions of baking cookies or or fudge, or other goodies to to give them away. Maybe you've had neighbors stop by and hand you plates of things that they've made. Sometimes traditions are watching movies around the holiday season. There always seems to be movies that families watch. Emily watches every rendition of the Charles Dickens uh, Christmas Carol. I have no idea. You would not believe how many different versions there are of that movie. But there's others too, you know, there's other movies. There's a, it's a Wonderful Life, maybe it's Charlie Brown, maybe it's The Grinch, maybe it's Alf, or maybe even Home Alone. My kids love to watch Home Alone, and I think it because it incorporates that family tradition of travel, except there's this child that somehow manages uh, to get left behind. This tradition of travel is what we see actually a little bit in Scripture uh, scripture talks about in the passage that we're going to that Mary and Joseph every year around the time of Passover traveled from where they lived to Jerusalem, packing up belongings and traveling with a whole host of people to go celebrate the Passover there. And we'll read, we'll read just like in the movie Home Alone how Jesus was somehow forgotten and left behind. Uh, about a month ago, I think it was, uh, I was out in the atrium of the worship center, and it was after we had gathered for worship, and the students had just gotten done with their uh, discussion groups, 
And a few minutes had passed by, and then all of a sudden, Wes Monsma uh, comes walking up to me, and he says, Pastor Steve, do you know where my dad is? And I scanned the crowd of the people that were in the atrium, and to my surprise, I, I didn't see Steve. And I said, well, I don't see him, but, uh, you know, I can call him. And, and so Steve received a phone call. I said, hey, Steve, this is Steve. Where are you? Wes is wondering. And Steve pauses for a minute. Is he with you? <laughs> We're turning around. Yeah, I thought he was with Steph. We'll be there in a minute. And Wes, when he was talking to me, Wes was not concerned at all. Uh, but you could actually hear concern more so on Steve's voice and in the way that he was responding to the situation. A few minutes go by and Steve comes up and Wes gets in and everything is, is fine. And I think this example is a little bit like the example that we read in Scripture. We'll see that Mary and Joseph are anxiously searching. They're worried and Jesus, he doesn't think that there's any problem. He, he's not anxious about it. He's not worried, but his parents are. So let's go to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse uh, 41 and read through uh, the end of the chapter this morning. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover, when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to them, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. As we continue this same series looking at our hearts and looking at the heart of Mary, we see, we can see throughout the whole series how, how Mary's heart has been changed and transformed from, from willing to rejoicing to treasuring to, to marveling. And, and now we read once again that she treasured all of those things in her heart. 
And the reality is that God wants our hearts to be continually transformed as well. That we wouldn't, wouldn't allow our heart to, to stop being formed by Him and how He is working in our life. That He would continue to work in our hearts just as He did in Simeon and Anna who we looked at two, about two weeks ago. Anna, who was over 100 years old and was still obedient and sensing the Spirit's work in her life. In our passage today, Jesus is about 12 years old and he's traveling with his parents to the festival of the Passover. It said, according to the custom, and, and really what that means is when when uh, Jewish boys were about to turn 13, so whether it's the year or two prior, they're supposed to go as well with the parents to Jerusalem for the Passover. And so Jesus, being 12 years old, is, is right about that time where he's going to turn 13. And, and that's kind of a big deal because when you become 13, Jesus would be seen as an adult in the worshiping community. In the religious community, Jesus at the age of 13 would be considered adults. Maybe there's some kids here that would really love it if we saw them after the age of 13 as adults and they got to do whatever they wanted, a little bit more freedom, things like that. But we read that after the festival was over, that Mary and Joseph left and that Jesus stayed behind and that they were completely unaware of it. Now, Today is a lot different than many other years. When I was a kid, uh, my parents let me walk home from school. They were unconcerned, right? I lived in a fairly small town, but I mean, it was a couple blocks away from a prison, so you never know. Uh, and, and I was a latchkey kid, you could say. My brother and I came home from school, and, and they were, weren't worried. They figured we'd be there. Um, you know, and, and maybe we wonder now, like, okay, how can you leave a kid behind, right? And, and sometimes it happens, and, and it's unintended, right? Uh, for example, with, with Steve, Steph, and Wes. Steve thought Wes was with Stephanie. And, and maybe Stephanie thought that Steve was waiting behind for Wes. And that's actually really similar to what was happening in the story that we read today. You see, when, when traveling groups would, would go, typically family members would separate into the women in the front with often sometimes the children leading the way, dictating the pace, and then all the, the men and, and maybe older children would be in the back, taking up the rear, making, making sure that there's no one left behind, that there's no stragglers. So Joseph, as he's in the back, thinks, well, Jesus is 12, he'll likely be with his mother up front with all of the other children, and, and Mary is up front thinking, well, Jesus is 12, he's almost an adult, so likely he is with his father in the back of the group. No concern, no worry. And they, they travel for a day at whatever pace they're going, and Joseph and Mary find each other, and to their surprise, 
Jesus wasn't with them among the relatives. Maybe Joseph said, well, I thought he was with you. But he wasn't. And so this concern washes over their face. And, and they, they head back to Jerusalem, hoping that they would find him. Unfortunately, there's no pagers or cell phones in this day. Because if there was, it would be pretty easy, wouldn't it? I just gave a parent a call and everything was all set in five minutes. But instead, for Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, they had to look for three whole days. Perhaps a day of travel heading back to Jerusalem and then anxiously searching through all the people in Jerusalem. Perhaps stopping by relatives' house and and people that they knew. They weren't able to print up a missing uh, person picture to to put on light posts because I don't think they're were those in that day. And as, as they search, they finally head to the temple courtyard and they find him there. Astonished that that is the place that they would be. Anxious and worried from all the searching for days that they had done previously. And, and if you've ever been searching for something, your, your anxiety likely continues to grow. I, I recall there are specific times where maybe Ben or Elena or someone isn't where we expect them to be, and, and all of a sudden we get anxious. I, I remember recently uh, there was a day where Ben was sick from school and he was actually at our house, and I left the house to go pick up all the kids from school and I went up to the kindergarten teacher, and I'm like, all right, Ben and Elena, it's time to go. And all of a sudden, I didn't see Ben, and my anxiety just, just went, oh, my word, did, where did we lose Ben? What happened? And the, so did the teacher, and she said, he was homesick today. I'm like, that's right. I totally didn't remember that. Our anxiety can get the better of us and, and cause our, our minds to, to worry and I'm, I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that each and every one of us have experienced those moments of anxiety. And, and often it can happen, too, around the holiday season. I recall about a couple weeks ago, um, I was at the physical therapist and I was, I was overhearing a conversation because legitimately it's just a curtain in between and and one of these individuals was sharing, and she had this anxiety in her voice. And she was talking about how around the Christmas season, her family makes such a big deal about Christmas, and, and they, they buy gifts for everybody. Everybody and their kids and their grandkids or, you know, all that type of thing. And, and this gal goes, she's like, I just get so stressed out because I, I want to make a big deal about this, but it's so hard for one single person on this one single income to find gifts for all of these people that I think will be meaningful to them. A financial anxiety. 
desiring to find that perfect gift for that niece or nephew or that brother. And she continued to say with anxiety and maybe just a hint of frustration in her voice, my family members don't get how hard it is. They don't get how hard it is for me. You know, there's songs that say it's the most wonderful time of the year. And yet, for many, it's not. It's a season that invites stress and anxiety. But that stress and anxiety isn't necessarily just limited to this, this holiday season, is it? You can see anxiety throughout the year. Maybe this new year will bring more anxiety than the year before. I I think of those students in high school that are graduating in May or in June, and and they're trying to think about what am I actually going to do after I graduate? Which school am I going to go to as they anxiously search for the right school or the right major to to commit themselves to for a, well, what's supposed to be a lifetime, right? Let me tell you, it doesn't have to be a lifetime. I changed my major, and I changed my job in the course of my life, and it's okay. But it's an anxiety that, that comes. Not only do we search for this meaning and purpose within our work, and maybe we're anxious about that, but maybe... Maybe we anxiously search for people. Not like we've lost someone, but anxiously searching for people to have relationships with. Searching for those people that we can spend time with. Searching for those lasting friendships that move beyond the pleasantries of the day. Anxiously maybe searching for ways to restore relationships that once were broken. Anxiously searching maybe for companionship. Someone to to love. And someone to love us for who we are. Anxiously searching. Just like perhaps Mary and Joseph. And yet when Jesus finds out that his parents were anxiously searching, he has this response for them. Why? Why were you anxiously searching for me? Didn't you know? Didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? This week as Casey mentioned January 6th is this day that we call Epiphany. In the the Eastern Christian traditions, it's also called Theophany, if you've ever heard that word. And it's really associated with this revealing of who Jesus is. Jesus being the light of the world. Jesus being fully human and fully God. And, And there's often stories that are associated with and preached on and I didn't choose either one of them. The one story would be the the wise men coming 
from afar, right? And, and years after Jesus is born, they finally find this child whom the heavens have announced by a star, this king that was born. The Eastern church tradition is to think about it as Jesus' baptism, this moment in time where you see Jesus as divine and human. As he's baptized, the heavens open up and the Father says, this is my son. And we see the, the Spirit in the form of a dove, or we read about it at least, dropping down on Jesus. I wonder if in this passage there's a, a little bit of a hint of recognizing Jesus as human and as divine. You have his parents anxiously searching, this real physical parents, the ones who have cared for him since his birth for 12 years, loving him, caring for him. And you have Jesus in the temple courtyard. Jesus in the, in the temple courtyard saying, wouldn't you know? Wouldn't you know that I would be in my father's house? Not the one in Nazareth, but the temple, the, the locust, the, the point where God's presence was. And it's there at the, at the temple that I think a, a realization is made. It's where the searching ends. The searching ended for Mary and Joseph, but two weeks earlier, the searching ended for Simeon and Anna, who were waiting, waiting for God to do something. And it was in the same place, in the temple courtyard, that God's presence was made manifest and made known to them. Not in the temple, but the courtyard. God taking his presence outside of the temple, the Holy of Holies, and bringing it out among the people. Bringing his presence near so that the searching could be done. That all of us who search, all of those who have gone before that have tried to search for God, all of those who have, have tried to search for ways to become right with God by following all the law to a T and, and failing miserably, that all that would be pushed to the side because it would be Jesus his presence of being fully God and fully man that would put an end to the searching because he would find us instead. Why, why are you searching for me? In the story, Jesus then, he, he goes down to Nazareth with them. Even though Mary and Joseph didn't understand the, the phrase, I didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? she somehow begins once again to treasure, perhaps remembering the, the nature of Jesus' birth, the 
angel encounters. The birth given by the Holy Spirit. In realizing that maybe Jesus truly was meeting God, uh, meeting us right where we are. That, that God would, would find us in whatever moment we are in. Not that we need to search for him, but that he would find us. And we've seen that throughout. God, God meets Zechariah right in the temple, right where Zechariah was and told him about the coming birth of John. God meets Mary right where she was, betrothed to Joseph. God meets Joseph right where he was in a dream. God meets Elizabeth in her barrenness. God meets the shepherds right where they were in the countryside caring for the sheep. God meets Simeon and Anna in their old age right where they were by way of the Spirit. And God then meets us right where we are. Not speaking of this church. Sure, God meets us here, but He meets you wherever you are in your life right now. He meets you in those anxieties, saying, why are you searching for me? He meets us in our weakness. He meets us in those moments where we feel like failures. He meets us in those moments where we don't feel like we are enough or that we can handle what life is throwing at us. You know, later on, the same Jesus, the one who was born in a manger, the one that was 12 that we read about in this passage, shares a sermon. And within the sermon, he says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I wonder, when Jesus shared that, was he somehow brought back in his human mind to the anxiety and fear and searching that his own parents had when they were looking for him? Was it a way that they saw the anxiety and, and that he was able to understand even more what we go through as humans? And here, here perhaps could have been a word that he spoke to his parents at one time too. Because the thing is, the gospel, it too meets us right where we need it the most. In those places in our life. And it meets the needs that we have. If we have anxiety and worry, it's Jesus that brings peace. That's what it does. There's a book titled The Very Good Gospel, uh, written by Lisa Sharon Harper. And she writes about the ways that the gospel meets our needs, that grace meets the areas of difficulty in our life. 
There's a few examples. The God's grace meets our discomforts with ourselves. Those ways that we don't feel like we're enough. Maybe those, those areas where we struggle with who we are as ourself and, and God's grace comes and says, I'm giving you a new identity. I'm giving you a new identity as a, a child of God. I'm giving you a new identity that is rooted in who Christ is. God's, God's grace meets animosity in relationships and broken families. His grace comes in restoration, just as He can restore relationships between the Israelites and the Gentiles, Jesus can restore relationships between family members. God's grace meets broken relationships between races and nations. Just as I gave an example, He redeems the uniqueness in culture, restoring each culture as He sees them, allowing us to see His image in all people in every nation. God's grace meets the anxious nature of creation, we could say, and the, the groans which the, the very earth feels on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and we know that to a point that grace is, is something that we'll only experience later on when, when Jesus once again comes and restores all things. But until that point, God's grace, it comes through us. Where God invites us to be those who are caring for His world. Working to heal the land, to cease consumption and bring restoration and renewal. These are all ways that we could say our Jesus light shining into the dark corners of this world, doing so to make them whole again. As we, as we head into 2023, we are invited to have our hearts changed, to have our lives change to have those areas where we see discomfort, those areas where we know they're not functioning the way that God intended them, to be transformed by His grace that meets us right where we are. But the thing about His grace is it never leaves us in that point. So join with me throughout this year that that we would each be changed by the Lord. That when it comes to January 1, 2024, that we could say, by God's grace, I'm not the same person I was a year ago. Let us pray together. Lord, we invite your your presence into our lives. We've said those words likely before, but we say them again. Lord, cause our heart to be consistently changed and consistently molded by You. Cause Your Spirit to work within us 
to create a willingness to follow your way. A willingness to to encounter difficulty as you change our lives. And And as you give us your grace. Work within us, we pray. Amen.